How are you guys? Good? Yeah? You awake? Nah, a little bit lively. Hey man, it has been a great joy being with you guys. Super fun. I was backstage having a blast with that song, man. Graves into gardens. So amazing. I love that we get to celebrate what God does in people's lives. As the Holy Spirit, as we invite Him in to our hearts, the Holy Spirit enters into our hearts and He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. He's the only one who can. And we get to celebrate Him with our lives. Not just today, but with our lives. Our lives are a celebration of what God has done and is doing and will continue to do. Whether you are up here on a mountain or you are down home in a valley, you get to celebrate with your life what Jesus has done. That's crazy. You and I, normal people, broken people, Sinful people, forgetful people, complacent people have an opportunity to celebrate what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you guys are going to read it over and over and over again this year. The transforming of your mind to be aware of the fact that the day that has been given to you is an opportunity to sing to the world about Jesus. Each and every single one of them. Not just the ones that you, send, that you spend up here at camp or that you spend at a, a youth group or a church. Not just those, but every single day of your life has been given to you The Holy Spirit's going to work in you to transform your mind so that you can be aware of of how God desires to use you, but ultimately how God desires to allow you to be a vocal piece, a a mouthpiece into the world of His glory and honor, His supremacy, His power as you walk on this planet. How many of you guys have ever gone to a Walmart before? Anybody ever been to? You ever had the pleasure of going to Walmart? All right, I'm going to go ahead and explain to you something about Walmart in other states. You know how I said that in Arizona, ants are mean when they're not mean in California? Remember that little piece from the first chapel together? Walmarts in Arizona are not ghetto. I know, you can applaud that. Come on. You walk into a Walmart in Arizona, and I think it's true of other states. I have a very small sample size. Washington, also true. You walk into Walmarts in Arizona, and you're like, hey, this is just a store. It's clean. Stuff actually exists where it's supposed to. People are kind of nice. It's great. I like this. Whereas if you go to Walmart in Modesto on a Sunday after church, it's like, oh man, where's my body armor? Where's my hazmat suit? There are crowds aplenty. There are people on top of each other. People are getting pushed over in the parking lot. Little grandma with her shopping cart. People are like, 
Get out the way. I got to get to Walmart. You've had the experience maybe? Uh-huh. Okay, so here's the thing about Walmarts. They may, be, they may be nicer in Arizona, but the employees, they got the same attitude that they got in California. You go to the checkout line, you put your merch on the belt, and the employee's like, hi, how are you? And they take your first item, and they go, Boom, and then they toss it in a bag. And when I say toss, I mean toss. And by the way, in Arizona, we do not pay for bags. They, they don't even ask you if you want bags. They just immediately assume that you do. And they don't put like as many items as they can fit in a bag. They're like, oh, bananas, bag. Corn, separate bag. Oatmeal, separate bag. It's like I walk out with 36 bags and I got 37 items, right? They love bags. I do not have a shortage. I have a surplus. Y'all need some bags? Come on down. I'll send some to you. Just pay for shipping and handling, all right? So look, you go to Walmart. They're like, all right, hairspray. I don't buy that. That's for someone else in my family. And they just look at it and go, and they toss it. Literally, they don't place it. It's like, here you go, soap. They don't care. They just toss it in the bag. All right, and then they tell you your total, and then you leave, right? Now, Walmart... Is like that. The employees, they all look like they just had a really bad day the day before. Target, how many of you guys like Target? Oh, okay. All the girls are like, well, I'm going to Target as soon as I get home. <laughs> Love it. Target employees, on the other hand, oh, they love Target. They look at your merch on a belt and they're like, oh, how fun. Let me place it in the bag. The next piece of merch comes up. Oh, boop. Then they put it in a bag. Third piece of merch. Oh, where did you find this? I have never once seen this in the store. It is amazing. Can you tell me what aisle this lives on? This is so great. I'm excited for you. Thank you, buddy the elf. Can I have my merch, please? Boop. Put it in a bag. There's one other store that one-ups Target employees. Does anybody know what it is? Oh, my gosh, I heard it. Trader Joe's. Oh, you go to Trader Joe's, people are like, we are excited you are here. Welcome to the best place ever. The only place better than Trader Joe's is Disneyland. They are so amped on life. Man. And you roll up into Trader Joe's, right? And you get into the checkout line. And you have like a kid with you. You guys don't, but I do, right? I have a kid with me and the guy behind the counter is like, oh, hi, little guy. You want some stickers? Uh, my son's like, sure. <laughs> and he's like, Pfft. he's got like 300 stickers. Here you go, buddy. I hope you have a great day. And my son's like, I don't know what to do with all these stickers. And we get outside in the parking lot and he covers my car with him because he's got a surplus, right? There was one time at Trader Joe's in Modesto where their enthusiasm went too far. By the way, this is a warning for you guys. If you go to Trader Joe's in Modesto, Dale Road, I believe, is where it's at. That's where the culprit lives. My wife and I go to Trader Joe's and we get a whole bunch of stuff. And one of our favorite things about Trader Joe's is their bread products. You guys ever had one of them Kringle things? They're like this big around. They look like a giant flat donut. 
Oh my gosh, if you've never had that, forget Target. Go to Trader Joe's when you get home. All right, Kringle. It's amazing. Cut a little bit. Wonderfulness. All right, anyways, we're at the checkout. And this lady, she's all peppy. Oh, beep. <laughs> Here's your stuff. You know, she's excited. Ten cents for the bag. You got it because we're excited to be here. Right? It's contagious. It rubs off on you. And then all of a sudden, we get this like Asiago cheese bread with a little bit of garlic mixed up in there. And it's, it's wonderfulness in bread form. And this lady looks at our bread and she goes, oh. She's excited about the bread. We're excited about the bread, too. We understand. And she goes, I just love the bread here. It's so good. And we're like, sister, we hear you, girl. And then all of a sudden she goes, picks up our loaf and goes. (sighs) And she just breathes it in deep. And I'm like, what just happened? And she just takes a big old sniff of my loaf of bread. Mind you, this is not sealed. This is the fresh stuff that's just in a package. And she's like, oh, boop. Puts it in the bag for us. Have a great day. And I'm like, my wife's like dragging me by the arm. I'm like, what just happened to my bread? Trader Joe's, man. They love their stuff. It's nuts. I, heck yeah, I ate that bread. <laughs> I paid for it. It was too late to turn back now. Once I paid for it, it's a done deal. Look, the manager of that Trader Joe's, he's not giving her any pats on the back for enthusiasm, right? If I were to call up Trader Joe's headquarters, excuse me. In Modesto on Dale Road, you have a bread sniffer at the checkout aisle six. The manager's not coming up to her and go, oh, good job, Sally. Let me give you 300 stickers. You did so good. No, he's like, girl, don't sniff people's bread. That's nasty. Right? I appreciate her enthusiasm and excitement, but it was a, it was a bit much. I'll settle for the Target employee that's just really excited because they want to know where I got the merch. They want to know where it came from. They'll ask the question. They don't sniff it. You know, they don't lick it. They don't open it up to see what it looks like inside the canister. They're just pumped that I found it, and they want to know where to find it, too. Look, y'all are about to head back to Modesto or Oakdale or Riverbank or Escalon or Ripon or Ceres or wherever you happen to live. You're heading, did I miss one? You said, come on. Yep, I knew there was going to be one that I missed. Uh, You're going to go back to wherever you live. And some of you are carrying with you, right there in your being, God's spirit. And I want to make sure that as we go back home, and I speak this to myself too. As we go back home, we don't, after a day or two, become Walmart employees to the things that God is doing. That as God places people in our lives, we're not just sitting there going, boop, fling it in a bag, have a good day. No, we have so much 
to be excited about, to be enthusiastic about, to be passionate about because of what God has done, is doing, and will continue to do in our lives. He's up to good things. Remember last night we looked at that passage in the book of Isaiah that he says he is doing a new thing and God himself through the prophet Isaiah is excited about it and we know he's excited about it because there is an exclamation point. There is specified punctuation that says, "Woo, pay attention because this is good. The punctuation still exists. He's doing a new thing. He's excited about it. And he invites us, fragile, broken people, into a relationship so that we can be excited about it too and help other people understand what exists in us and hopes that they would have it too. In the same way that I roll up to a Target checkout line and that lady's like, oh, I want this so badly. What aisle is it on? As we live in our renewed understanding of how God is working in our lives, may it be contagious to those around us so they go, hey, y'all got something I want. Where'd you get it? Well, it's a gift. All you got to do is accept it. Just crack open the door to your callous heart and let his goodness and grace flow in. You want to know about it? Open up Luke 15. It's there for you. Look, I've got two boys. I talked about them quite a bit. And if you've uh, spent any time in HSM in the last five and a half years where I was the student guy, you, you heard me talk about my kids. Love my kids. And, and the thing about my kids is they are two very, very different personalities. And I love that. They keep us on our toes. Uh, one of them is quite exhausting for my wife. The other one is quite exhausting for me. I love them both. I love them both dearly. My wife loves them both dearly. But in the packaging of my children, you've got one that is very much daddy. Anybody want to guess which one that is? No, it's actually Canon. Canon is very much daddy. He's explosive. He's a storyteller. He's the life of the party. He's excitement in a tiny little package. And then you never really know when he's going to go from this sweet little innocent soul to this explosion of some sort of monstrous personality. And you're like, where did that come from? And he's like, hey, feed me. You know, that's just how he is. He's determined. He's fearless. He's like me times three, which is terrifying. The other one, Gunner, Gunner's crazy smart. His brain is always working. He's always thinking. He's always calculating. He's great in school. He's empathetic towards other people. He's caring. He's compassionate. He's a rule follower. He loves rules in abundance. And I look at him and I'm like, man, you are so your mom. It's amazing how, how these kids are so different but yet so similar. And it's, it's, it's so fun for me as dad to look at them and meet them right exactly where they are. Every day when I pick up Gunner from school, I pick up Gunner from school and I hit him with the same question every day because, look, man, we moved mid-semester to a new state, to a brand new school, to a new group of people. We knew nobody, and so we plugged him into the school. He missed a whopping two days. He had no vacation time. We throw him right in there. And from the time he started school, I ask him every single day, all right, Gunner, who are the homies? That's my question. <laughs> you laugh, but I'm hood like that, right? Who are the homies? 
And Gunner's like, Dad. No, seriously, who are the homies? And he keeps going. Who are the homies? Every single day, who are the homies? He's like, Dad, tell me about school. It was good. No, give me it. What was good about it? Oh, we had recess. You have recess every day. What was good about recess? I scored two goals in soccer. Great. I had to drag it out of him. Gunner is enthusiastic about certain things. Other things, you got to drag it out of them. Anybody got a personality like that? Your parents ask you questions. You're like, oh my gosh, can this end already? Right? Yes. Okay, there you go. She's like, "Uh uh-huh, I'll raise my hand to that. Right? You got to drag the information out. But the things that he's excited about, he just keeps on going. Bam, 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 bam. One thing after another thing after another thing. I I, uh, FaceTimed my kids last night, right? And and, and then again this morning, because it's my birthday and I wanted them to sing to me. And so last night, I, I FaceTimed my family because, you know, they got to see this, and I got to see them. And we got to say, hey, how you doing? Love you guys. And my son Gunner's ready because he's got something important to tell me. Normally, it's like, hey, Gunner, how are you? Good. Right? But he's got something important to tell me. We've been collecting sports cards recently. This is like a, this is like a revamp of something that I did when I was like 12. But now, all of a sudden, sports cards are a thing in my house, and we, we get them whenever we can. And we open them up together. We actually put gloves on. We put latex gloves on so we could protect the cards so that the oils of our fingers don't ruin them. You guys are like, you're weird. But hey, it's a thing, okay? And my son loves it, so I'm going to just ride that wave until the wheels fall off. And so we open these cards. And, and while I was gone, we didn't have any cards to open, so Gunner started going through all the cards that we'd already opened. And I'm like, hey, Gunner, how are you? And he's like, Dad, I found these. And he's got like these cards in his hand, and I'm like, oh, cool, man, what's up? He goes, they're numbered. I'm like, oh, cool, Gunner, what numbers are they? This one's 76 out of 149, and this one's 99 out of, out of 299, and this one is 14 out of 149, and I'm like, okay, cool, and he's so pumped. He's so excited to tell me all about these cards, and then we get done with the card thing, and I go, hey, who are the homies? How was your day at school? It's good, right? It's all back to normal. But when it came to cards, dude was super pumped up. Are we that excited about the things that God is doing, will do, and, and, and has done for us? Are we that excited? Do we have that enthusiasm? Or do we just go about our lives like, good, you know? Do we just go at the checkout line at Walmart where we just check it out and toss it in a bag? Or are we pumped? Are we the bread sniffer at Trader Joe's? Maybe don't go that far. Are we the Target employee that says, oh my goodness, I'm so excited for you that you found this item on aisle six. Are we those people? There's a, a, a parable that we looked at last night, the parable of the prodigal son. We covered the younger guy. Remember the guy that squandered the wealth and he went off to a distant country and then he looked at the pods that the pigs were eating and wanted those. Then came up with a well-crafted speech to approach his dad in hopes that his dad would welcome him in. And his dad interrupted the speech and asked for a robe and asked for a ring and asked for sandals and began to throw a party. But we didn't cover the older son. The older son, he seems to have a different personality than the younger son. He seems to be quiet, collected, he seems to be uh, uh, one with short answers that you've got to drag information out of. We're going to be back in Luke 15 this morning. So if you have your Bibles and you want to flip there, go ahead. Luke 15. We're going to be starting in, in verse 25. And we're going to take a look at this boy. And I want to look at this because I want us in our life with Jesus Christ to avoid the position that the older boy takes. 
A lot of people will look at the parable of the prodigal son, and they'll fixate on the younger kid. And they'll go, oh man, I'm going to fight hard to not become the younger kid. And we oftentimes miss the older kid. I want us to not miss the older kid. I want us to leave here today with a mind that is set on not becoming the older kid. That we allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do in our lives, to renew our minds, to fill our hearts, so that we do not become callous to the things that God is doing, has done, and will do in and through our lives, and in the lives of people around us. That we wouldn't wander this world with a sense of complacency, but we would wander this world eyes wide open to the things that God is doing well aware of his voice, well aware of his presence as we walk. So let's start in 25. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. I want to pause right there. So first thing that's important for us to recognize is killing a fattened calf is a huge deal in this society. You don't do that just for a normal dinner. You don't do that just for a normal social gathering. That is something that is reserved for something extravagant. And so this older boy talks to a servant and says, what is going on? And the servant said, your brother's back and your dad killed the fattened calf and we going to party, right? And the older boy is like, no, no. This cannot be. That brother of mine, he ran off. He wronged my father in an unforgivable way and does not deserve a party. Certainly not. No. This can't be the reality. Dad couldn't be this foolish. There's no way that he is going to have that much grace and that much love for a brother that has wronged him so harshly to welcome him back and to kill a fattened calf and throw a party in his honor. No. This can't be. And so the brother, the older one, becomes angry and refused to go in. He stands off in the distance with his arms crossed, with a look on his face, disgusted at what's going on in honor of his brother that made so many poor life decisions. And all he did was come home, and here's this party awaiting for him. It doesn't make sense to him. He sits there, rolling around questions in his mind of why and how and what in the world is going on and where's my fattened calf and where's my party and where's my celebration? I didn't leave. I've been here my whole life. I do everything the dad asks. What's going on? Why? I don't get it. I love the father's response to the son. Remember dad's response to the younger boy. While he was still a long way off, it says the father was filled with compassion and he ran to the youngest son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him on his neck. 
I guarantee you, as the dad is running to the youngest son, the youngest son is probably rehearsing that speech that he came up with over and over and over and over again in his mind, and he's probably physically preparing himself for a whooping. He's probably hunkering down like, oh, here it comes. I know he's going to lay it on me. And instead of laying it on him, he lays on a hug and a kiss and a robe and a ring and sandals for his feet saying, boy, in my house, you will always be a son and you will never be a servant. Now we've got the older boy out in the distance refusing to go in. And the same dad who ran to the younger son, runs to the older son. The same dad approaches the boys on totally different sides of the chart. He approaches them in the same way. It didn't say that he physically ran, but he said the father went out. By the way, when you're a host of a party in this day and age, you don't leave for any reason, under any circumstance, you're the master of ceremonies. And this dad sees his son sitting out there with arms crossed and he goes, uh-uh, I'm going to that boy. I don't care if it costs me something. I don't care if people, you know, turn up an eyebrow at my actions. I see a boy out there who's lost. In the, same one, in the same way that this one was lost and is now found, I see a boy out there who's unwilling to celebrate the victory that we have in having his brother back. This guy is lost, and i got to go find him. And so he wanders out of his own party that he's throwing. And it says that the father pleaded with him. Pleaded with him. See, with the younger boy, he didn't have to plead. He just yelled over the top of him, get this boy a robe and get him a ring and get him sandals. He's back. He's ready to celebrate. He sees the brokenness in the younger son that was once give me, and now in his well-rehearsed speech, it's make me a servant. See, there's brokenness. There's humility. The older boy sitting there with his arms crossed, on his self-appointed throne of superiority. I'm not celebrating this guy. That's ridiculous. And the father approaches him and he pleads with him. He says, boy, please have a different mindset. Son, please understand my heart for the lost child that is now home and why I consider it worthy of celebration Older son, please wade into this moment with me. Do you need to understand all the details? No, but just trust that I have them all. Older boy, understand the victory. Understand the anguish of dad's heart to have a younger kid that goes, give me all your stuff because I want it more than I want you and then runs off to a distant country and now comes back and begs me to be a servant and all I want him to be is a son. Older boy, understand what's going on here, man. Yeah, I get it. You never left. I, yeah, I get it. You want a calf and you want a party. But older boy, learn to dance and learn to celebrate and learn to be excited when things that were dead are now alive again. 
older boy, don't lose sight of what has gone on here. See, this dad, he runs to both children. He runs to both children because he wants a relationship with both children, even though the relationships look very different right now. Very different. 29. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Give me. Remember our younger boy. When he first starts with the father at the beginning of this parable. Give me my share of the inheritance. The older boy. Give me. Look, father, I have never disobeyed. I've been slaving for you, and you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Give me. I've earned it. That's the attitude that he has towards the Father. He's got so caught up in his ability to do good things that he feels like he's earned some sort of goodness, some sort of blessing from his dad. Instead of recognizing that he has the privilege of being called son. Of being looked over and nurtured and cared for and protected and celebrated. He looks at the one aspect that he feels that he lacks and feels that he deserves and goes, you're celebrating this guy who stole from you. And I've earned this. Give me. I love that we have a father who has a house of mercy rather than a house of merit. If we had a father who celebrated and who lived in a house of merit, you and I would have a very different reality. We would have a very different reality. We would constantly be grinding to try and earn our way to a good standing with a perfect and righteous and holy God, something that no human being in our own frailty, in our own sinfulness, could ever accomplish or ever live up to. Thanks be to God that he has a house of mercy rather than a house of merit. 30. This is the older boy continuing on in his pity party, by the way. But when this son of yours, notice not when this brother of mine, he's already written him off, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. This son of yours, he's already written him off. He's already considered him dead. He's already considered him a lost cause. There's nothing that could reach him. There's nothing redeemable about him. He is disgusting. I want nothing to do with him, is the older brother's perspective of the younger boy. There was a theologian that wrote about this parable, and his thought is this. The bad son was lost in his badness, but the good son was lost in his goodness. Guys, that can't be us. Two sides of a coin. 
Jesus loves us right where we're, at, where we're at. He meets us right where we're at. But he desires us to be right in the middle where we understand grace, we understand mercy, we understand celebration of what God has done, will do, and is currently doing in and through our lives. And we celebrate accordingly that we be enthusiastic about the things that he is up to, that we would understand his voice in the midst of the darkness, that we would be wide-eyed to the opportunity that today brings, that there's people wandering around in this dark world that are void of hope and void of identity, and you have something living in you that they don't even know exists, but that they desperately need. And we need to be the people that live that out in such a way that it shines brightly through us. We can no longer live as people that are just worried about us and take the gift of grace and hide it deep inside and keep it safe for a rainy day. We can no longer be the people that sit in our own throne of piousness while there's a world that is wasting away. Please do not become comfortable with sacred things. Do not become comfortable I challenge you guys as you go home and your rhythms await you back at home that the awe and wonder of who Jesus is and what he has done, that it does not diminish, that it does not wear off. I know that it's awesome to get up here in the mountains and get out of your normal rhythm and have extended time with Jesus. It does something special in everybody's life, mine included, but it cannot just exist here. It has to go home. It has to. There's people that are, are wasting away in their current reality and they're, they're running headstrong into an eternal reality that is separate from the God that created them and he doesn't like that story. He doesn't want that for anybody. Remember, Jesus said, I came for the sick. It's not the well who need the doctor, but the sick. There's a whole bunch of people that are hurting, that have a darkened understanding and a darkened heart. And it's easy for us to go, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. And I don't know what to do for them, but I'm going to celebrate. No, no, no. Celebrate, yes, but extend the celebration out. Invite those people in that desperately need it. It's not just about us. A transformed mind understands that, that God leaves us here on this planet after we say yes to Jesus so that we can do this thing in community and that we can invite people in to a relationship that Jesus paid a huge price to give us the privilege to have. He doesn't want it to exist in small pockets. He wants it to be infectious. He wants it to be everywhere. He wants his children to be excited about the work that dad is doing. So much so that you're willing to have a conversation that you feel ill-equipped for. I know oftentimes you guys are afraid to speak up about the good news of Jesus Christ because you feel like there's other people to do it. When in actuality, you might be the right person that Jesus has placed in someone's life to speak of his goodness. It's not about you. It's about him. I challenge you guys to wade into those hard conversations, trusting in the Holy Spirit that's renewing your mind to give you the words to speak, to just share your story of how Jesus has worked in your life and trust him with the results. 
We need to be risk takers for the kingdom of God. Why? Because we serve a big God, and because we serve a big God, we certainly have to trust him for the results. It's not up to us. It's up to him. But he chooses, for whatever reason, in his infinite wisdom, to use us as a vehicle of his grace into this world. I don't know why, but he saw it best. And because he sees it best... It's time to walk. When you go down this hill in a few short hours and your rituals await you, some of you guys are like, man, I can't wait to dust off the video game controllers or get caught up in all the free agent signings and preseason games, all my sports homies. Some of you guys are like, I can't wait to read like six books. (laughs) There's like one of you in here probably. I can't wait to get caught up on my social media gossip and all that. That's going to take at least four hours of my day. Guys, guys, some of you are like four hours. That's not enough, man. I got to go like this for like six, man. I get a crink in my neck, right? Guys, you've had a space created here to charge you up for the things that God is up to. Don't make it about three days in the mountains. Keep that charge going as you return. Carve out that time for God. Make room for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Don't bog the Holy Spirit down with your sports facts, with your social media gossips, With your video game accolades, some of you guys are probably really good. Congratulations. But don't bog down what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life. Allow that Holy Spirit to work and renew your mind and equip you for the day. You have no idea what it's going to bring. Only He does. Ask Him, beg Him for eyes wide open for the opportunities that He's choosing to give you. And spend those moments of refuge with your Father. Jesus modeled that for us. He woke up each day. He found a place of solitude. And he spent time with his Father. Why? Because he knew that the Father had great plans for him that day. He wanted to make sure that he was equipped to walk in a way that honors the Father. Spend that time. Remember, he didn't come for a religion. He came for a relationship, and a relationship is two-sided. It's him and you. Christianity is different. It's what has God done to work his way to us, but yet he desires for us to wade in. He's willing to go 90. You've got to go 10. For all of my Hitch fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Look, I, I heard this story uh, about a year ago, and, and some of you guys may remember this story, it's, um, it's about this family and uh, a dearly loved daughter, a dearly loved daughter, and she, um, she had a couple of kids, man, she loved her kids, she had a husband, and her husband was really supportive and loving, he loved her, he loved her family, she had a dad that did a whole bunch for her as a kid, and she loved her dad, and dad, as, as he got older, uh, he had to go um, live in, a, in a, a memory care facility. If you guys have any family members that, that have had to go live in a memory care facility, you know of, of the reality. You know that it, 
it gets increasingly hard every visit. They seem to remember, remember less, and, but yet you go and you, you cherish the times that you have. And This daughter, she, she talked to her husband and talked to her kids, and she said, hey, we're going to go visit dad every Sunday after church. We're going to go, we're gonna go visit him and just spend time with the time that we've been given and the time we have left. And, and so they did. One month turned into two, two months turned into three, three months turned into four, and like happens when, you know, people get to a certain age and start to have memory issue and memory loss, dad started to remember less and less and less about life and his day-to-day, and he just started to deteriorate a bit, but yet the family kept coming, and they kept coming. And every day that they would come, dad would be out there on the front porch of the memory care facility in his little wheelchair. And as they would pull up in their minivan, because they had to have a minivan. I don't know if they actually had a minivan, but in my mind, they have a minivan. And as they pulled up, dad would just wave. He was excited to see his kids. He was excited that they came to see him. And uh, they spent time together, and their time was always rich. A couple more months went down, family kept coming, dad was there every Sunday, front porch. Finally, the daughter asked a question. It was a question she'd been avoiding for a while. She looked at her dad and she said, dad, what day is it? And he just looked back at her with a blank stare and he couldn't answer. And she said, you're here every Sunday when we roll up, and you don't know what day it is. How is this, Dad? How how are you always there on Sunday? And he looks back in her eyes, and he said, honey, I wait for you every day. That's the God we have. He longs for his kids. He waits for us every day, not on Sunday and not on Wednesday. He wants us. He wants that time. He longs for it. He paid an amazing price so that we could have it, so that we could wade into that relationship. So it's not just something that's part of our life, but it is our life. That it's our highest yes. That it's not just of utmost importance to him, but that it's of utmost priority to us. That we understand, yes, what Jesus did, but that we celebrate the Father's love for us. A love that we cannot understand, will not understand, till we see him face to face. Because of the price that his son paid for us. Guys, when we go home, don't leave your God on the front porch alone. He's waiting for you, man. And he wants you. He wants that relationship. And you and I, for some reason, (laughs) are given the privilege of being an ambassador, an enthusiastic ambassador of an unconditional loving father. My challenge to you guys, remember what you've been saved from. 
stand each day in recognition of grace with arms wide open to a world in desperate need of a love that they've never experienced before and trust God with the results. I love you guys. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Let me pray. Ah, Jesus, you're good. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the opportunity to share it to a world. Lord, let us be enthusiastic about the things that you desire us to share. Holy Spirit, equip us, renew our minds, renew our spirits so that we don't just wake up today, but that we wake up aware that today is another opportunity. I pray that you just bless these students, their teachers, the families that are represented up here, that each day is an opportunity to grow closer in relationship with you, Lord. Let us take advantage of it. Thank you, Lord, for, for coming to us no matter what condition we are in and embracing us as a loving father. We do not deserve it. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.